0: Thanks, Austin. Uh, Good evening. Welcome to Uni Church. I want to add my welcome to everyone who's been up here so far. My name's Rowan, one of the pastors here. And I just want to say it is so exciting to sit and listen to the stories of how God has worked amongst us. That the God of the universe uh, hasn't been asleep, but that he is alive and that he's seeing people move from death to life. It's exciting, isn't it? To kind of sit there and see that that is going on. Why don't we ask God now to help us as we look at his word together? to think through what is going on in this world and how we will respond in light of that. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for the joy that it is to be able to see the way you've been working in the lives of people, moving people from death to life, grounding people in the certainty of your word, challenging people with the hope of the gospel and of heaven. We ask that tonight as we reflect on the Apostle Paul and the way you worked through him, that you'd encourage us, By your Spirit, keep building us up through your word this evening to be strengthened in our faith, to be bold and to be excited to be living for the King who is ruling the universe. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but in each of the stories that we've been looking at tonight, each of these little testimonies of the way God's been working in the lives of people, that the gospel has not stalled the news of the gospel has not kind of parked and become, um, you know, irrelevant. That there's been a kind of a steady movement through UniChurch, through Auckland EV, through other Christian churches across this city, across history of God working in the lives of people. Have you seen that? Have you noticed that? See, I reckon it's so easy for us to think that the world around us is just secular, that Christianity has had its kind of best days, that Christianity's best days are gone and today is the time to kind of just sit and relax, or maybe not relax, but let Christianity be under the surface. The world around us throbs with this mantra that life, this life, is all there is, and that the advancement of happiness is all life is about. But these stories that we've seen and the story that we've just heard from, from the Apostle Paul, shows us that beneath the secular surface of the world beats a tune of a different story. A story that brings confidence and hope and love. A story that brings life and the purpose for life. A story that provides purpose and meaning to a world that's drifting in the sea of uncertainty. Each of these stories is where God is Raising up people, showing that he has worked through them and that he is alive. And the great news is that the story that is behind every one of these stories is the story of the gospel. It's the story of Jesus, his life, death, resurrection and ascension. And what we're going to see tonight is that beneath the surface of this world, there is a gospel momentum going forward. That God is taking the world to his end and he cannot be stopped. And it is a great thing to see that reality. For God's purpose cannot die. It's impossible for the, the purposes of God to kind of be stalled because He's the one who's behind all things. He's the one who's in control of all things. He is the true and living God. And He's bringing all creation to the point of recognizing that reality that Jesus is the ruler over all. Now, come with me to Philippians 2, just after the passage we read. And we get a glimpse from Paul, what he's showing the Philippian church about where all of human history is heading. Have a look at this. Philippians 2, verse 10 and 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, those words, they're profound words. That is a picture of the future of your future and of every single person who has ever walked the face of this earth or who will walk the face of this earth. Everyone who is alive or dead in heaven or on earth or under the earth, six foot under, every knee will bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the future. (laughs) We live in a world that wants to squash down Christianity that says, oh, it doesn't matter. Christianity is not that important what we're seeing is that Christianity is all there is in the end, because Jesus is king. I hope if you're here tonight and you're checking out the things of God and you're seeing about the claims of Christianity, you can see it's a bold claim. And in some ways, it feels a little arrogant unless this is actually God speaking. This is the one who is in control of all things. And he, God has you here this night to show you what he's doing and what he's done. Behind every one of the stories that we've celebrated tonight is the same reality that's behind the Apostle Paul's words that Jesus is Lord, that He is the one that every knee will bow to and every tongue will confess. Listen to what Paul says about the world that he is in when it seems for him, the world around him is stamping out the news of Jesus. Have a listen. Philippians 1 verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. What Paul's saying here is that what has happened to him at the moment that he's writing this letter, he's writing from prison. I don't know how many of us have been into prison. Don't stick your hand up now. We can chat later. Right. But but he's writing in prison and they put him in prison because he's been sharing the news of Jesus. And Paul's like, look, what's happened to me? It doesn't really matter that much. Well, it does matter because it's actually advancing the cause of the gospel. What has happened to Paul? It wasn't just prison. Uh, In a few weeks time, we're going to start the book of 2 Corinthians and we'll get to this. But I want to show you 2 Corinthians 11 verse 24, because you get to hear what those few words, what has happened to me, actually mean for Paul. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty 24. Five times I received 39 lashes from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods by the Romans. Like they didn't like him. that's what he's saying. Uh-huh. Once I was stoned by my enemies and he wasn't on weed. Right? They're real rocks. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I don't think he was like on a cruise liner in the open sea, on his own. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, in the open country, on on the sea, and dangers amongst false brothers. Labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and lacking clothing. So much had happened in the life of this man, Paul. So much had happened to him, and you'd be you can excuse him for thinking, well, maybe God has fallen asleep at the wheel. Maybe this gospel isn't as powerful as what I first thought. But that's not what he says, is it? What has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel. That God is using all these situations and circumstances to bring the whole imperial guard to know of Christ. That Jesus is king. Now, it doesn't say they all believed him, but they knew of Jesus. God is alive and well, and His message is advancing across this world. There is a gospel momentum that Paul talks about here, that we are seeing on the screens and in the lives of you and others, and many other stories we haven't shared tonight. The challenge for us is to remember that the gospel has not lost its momentum. So easy to think that, isn't it? The plans and purposes of God sometimes just don't seem to be working out the way we think They would. Well, i go, well, if I were God, I'd do it very differently. It's always a problem whenever I start a sentence with those words, if I were God, because I'm not. And God is. But God's message is going out. So let Paul assure us all tonight that under the surface of this world's secular purpose and heart is a throbbing, growing cause called the cause of Christ. And that God is bringing the entire universe to this one point. Jesus is Lord. He is King and He is bringing in His kingdom that will never perish, spoil or fade. That's where the universe is going. That's where God is taking everything. But it won't all be roses and butterflies. That's why we need to have a clarity about the gospel. We need to have gospel clarity. It's point two if you're following along. See, the gospel is about the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's that Jesus died in our place. He took the penalty that we deserve. He he, he rose again from the dead and offered us forgiveness before God. That's the news of the gospel. The gospel is not come to Jesus and life will be rosy. The gospel is not come to Jesus and your bank balance will go up. Come to Jesus and you'll get all the jobs you ever wanted. Come to Jesus and you'll find the spouse that you're after. The news of the gospel doesn't promise that. In fact, the opposite. It says that life will be hard now. Because this world is bent against God. And so it's going to be bent against those who follow God. But the gospel tells us of a hope that is to come. When mourning and sickness and crying and pain are dealt with. When our sin is finally dealt with totally. And we are in perfect relationship with the God who made us and with his people. That is the day we look forward to. The gospel is the news that Jesus has fixed our relationship with God now. And that he is coming back to bring in his kingdom when he returns. And that is when life becomes much better. The gospel is the message that Jesus is Lord, that He is the King, the promised King, that He and He alone is the focus of our message and the focus of our lives. And that's what we need to be on about because He is the purpose for why we exist. Paul says in Philippians 1.15, these words, to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others out of goodwill. These do so out of love, knowing I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. But the others proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely seeking to cause me anxiety in my imprisonment. What's going on here? It's it's real kind of twisted. <laughs> there are people going round that are telling people about jesus out of love because they want them to know that jesus has died for them and that there's forgiveness and that's that's great and paul's saying this is brilliant but there's another group of people that are telling everyone about jesus just so it causes more problems for paul they're going oh yeah you should hear about this jesus guy you know paul's talking about him and that makes life harder for paul can you imagine that where people in society around you are trying to make life hard for you and so they're trying to you know, talk about Jesus and bring him up. And, and so that person, they're, they're, they're a Jesus follower. And they're trying to cause issues in your life. And if that was happening to me, I'd be so angry. I'd be like, you shouldn't be doing that. You're saying that out of wrong motives. You shouldn't be pointing people. This is, this is horrible. But listen, listen to how Paul responds. Verse 18, what does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. How central Jesus is to the life of Paul. How central it is that there's gospel clarity. That all he is about is pointing people to who Jesus is and what he's done. That's exactly what he said to the Corinthian church as he started in the letter of 1 Corinthians. He says this, verse 22 of chapter 1. For the Jews, they ask for signs. And Greeks, they seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. In a world that's trying to squish Jesus out, Paul says, I'm trying to show everyone it's about him. Jesus is central to this gospel clarity. The temptation for each of us is to shrink back, to roll over and surrender to the tide of the world rather than let God's gospel advancement, his gospel momentum drive through. Now, for Paul, amidst great adversity, his gaze, his fixed, his focus is so sure Christ. And Christ crucified is what I speak. That is what I am here for. That is what I live for. The message of Jesus' death, And resurrection. And that gives Paul great gospel confidence. It gives him gospel confidence. Look at verse 14. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. People around him are trying to cause trouble in the life of Paul. He's getting thrown in prison, thrown off board boats, thrown in front of all sorts of horrible things. And Paul says that gives the rest of the Christian world confidence. Why? Because we do not give up. Because the message of Christ and Him crucified keeps coming to the surface. Why? Not because of the strength of the people saying it, but the strength of the God who proclaims it. Paul's example is to be an example for us, as it was to be an example for all the Christians around him, as he wrote to this little church in Philippi, despite the hardships, Despite the knockbacks, despite it seeming like the gospel has lost momentum, we can have confidence. We can have confidence. Because God keeps working through every situation to point people to His Son. How great a confidence it is to be able to play in the game while you know the score, you know the final outcome. Jesus wins. He's died on the cross. It's happened. Death has been defeated. We're now just waiting for the rest of the game to play out so that people on the other team might cross over and trust in King Jesus. What a great team to be on. Sure, it's going to be hard. There's going to be blood, sweat, and tears, but we know the score. Jesus is Lord. He is risen. And that gives great, great confidence. Look at what Paul says in verse 18. And in this I rejoice. Yes. I will rejoice because I know this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help from the spirit of Jesus Christ. Suffering for the sake of the gospel to be proclaimed brings Paul great joy. But recognize something else. He's writing to this Philippian church to say, and it also requires great prayer. It requires great prayer. See, it's not through our gung-ho strength that the message advances. All right, it's real easy to think. You know? I think that the best Christian um, speakers and gospel proclaimers are those that drink dirt and eat trees. You know, there's that kind of Bear grills. thanks. Those Bear grills kind of like chunky guys are like, yeah, I'm going to run out in the middle of some war zone and be like, Jesus is the only way, and like get shot by all sorts of stuff, whether that be bullets or, or you know, kind of horrible words. and like, yes. You're like, we've all got to be crazy psychos like that. No. The gospel is spread through broken people like me and you. Broken people who don't have it all together. Who don't have biceps the size of Mount Cook. Who, who don't have brains the size of small planets. People who have been captured by the true and living God and allow God to work in us and through us and avail ourselves to that gospel momentum. And so Paul says, pray, for it's God that's going to do the work. It's God that's going to see that gospel go out and see people come to know Jesus and trust in Jesus. Are you praying that stories like the ones we've seen tonight get repeated and repeated and repeated in the lives of everyone in this room and everyone in this city, everyone in this country, everyone in this world? Wouldn't that be great if everyone came to the point where they, where they bowed their knee to Jesus before he came back? And recognized that he is the king and that he has died for them and they served him. How great that would be. So are you praying? Paul says, pray that the gospel might advance. As a church, that's a great privilege that we have to come together and pray together. To pray in our small groups, to pray one-on-one to the God who is in control. To the God who is bringing about his plans. But I want you to notice that the advancement of the gospel is not only god's work sometimes we go yeah god is taking his word out and he's the one and it's true he's the one that is seeing people come to know him and grow in him it's through his power and his strength that the gospel advances but it's not only through him paul says that he'll be delivered from his gospel proclaiming task with the help of the spirit of jesus christ now often we go yeah that's right it's god's spirit who emboldens us, and emboldens us and he is Every time throughout Acts, someone gets empowered by the Spirit, they go out and share this news of who Jesus is and what He's done. The Spirit of God is in us. The Spirit of Jesus Christ is in us, comforting us, helping us to keep going, to depend on God, to have the words to say. But Paul says that it is with the help of the Spirit. Do you see that? We actually need to be praying to God that He would use us. We don't just sit back on the cruise liner of life and sip our martinis and watch kind of everything go past and go, oh, it's all right. God's working by his spirit. Occasionally, I'll send up a little prayer and that'll be great. Paul's getting thrown into prison. He's getting beaten and lashed. He's getting shipwrecked. He's getting thrown overboard. He's doing all sorts of things. Why? Because he loves people and he wants them to come to know the true and living God. If we're serious about seeing this message advance, we need to prayerfully depend on God, trusting that He'll work in us through His Holy Spirit and avail Him, avail ourselves to be used by God for the sharing of the news of the gospel, for the reminding of the news of the gospel with others, for the encouragement of the news of the gospel, saying to one another, no, 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 it might look like the world is winning, but the beating heart the throbbing progress of all human history is toward Jesus Christ as Lord. We need to avail ourselves of that reality. When I was a kid, I went to, I grew up in a, in a church. My parents became Christians um, when I was about three months old. So I grew up in a new Christian family and I went to Sunday school, which is what, which is what we had kind of when the kids went out like kids' church. And in Sunday school, they, they have some weird songs. Now, normally they were dorky Christian songs. It's one of my pet hates. If, you, if you've ever been... If you've never been to a kids' Sunday school, I want to say two things. Uh, one, that's so sad because you haven't had that kind of teaching and, and dwelling in the Word of God. Secondly, thank God that you missed out on all the geeky songs, because you know, so that's someone who's been through them. Now at EV, we don't have any geeky songs in our kids' program. They're excellent, so encourage kids to come along. It's fantastic. But when I was at, 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 um, at Sunday school in kids' church, we had this song um, called "I'm in the Lord's Army." Does anyone remember that? Does anyone yes. shove hands? Look at this. And I want to say it was quite a powerful song because it held out for me this reality: God is in control, His message is advancing, and I have a role in His kingdom. These are the words; they're on the screen. I'm too young to march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I'm too young to ride over land and sea, but I'm in the Lord's army. And you go, but I'm in the Lord's army. And everyone went, went go. Yes, sir. Like that. Right? But I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Now, there's a bit of cringe factor to that. I, I, I feel it. But how true it is. If you trust in Jesus as your Lord... He is your king, and you are freed to be a servant of Jesus with all that he has given you, with every resource, with every moment, with every bit of intellect, for the sake of loving others. This army is about sharing the news of who Jesus is, that he has offered forgiveness to the world around us, that he's giving us life after death, It's saying, come and trust our king. You are in the Lord's army if you trust in Jesus. Paul fought with all that he had to see this gospel news, this gospel momentum go forward. What a privilege that is to be in the army of the king, even more so to be called sons and daughters of the king and therefore to fight for the name of our king. Well, what does it look like to live out the gospel? What does it look like to be kind of pervaded with gospel living? It's the last point in our outline. We are God's church, and that means that no matter what happens, whether we live or die, we're to do it for God's glory, which means living in a manner worthy of the gospel. Look what Paul says, verse 21 of Philippians 1. For me, living is Christ, and dying is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I'm pressured by both. I have the desire and depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. You feel Paul's tension here. He's like, I'm alive and I know that, but what I really want is to be face to face with Jesus, my King. I want to be with God and his people perfectly where sin is dealt with and there is no more mourning or crying or pain for that order of things has been thrown away. That is what I want. Paul is longing for the future. But he recognizes that is not where God has him right now. And so he says, verse 24, But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. And I am so glad that Paul remained in the flesh, aren't you? That he wrote down these words that we might know our God, that we might know the intricacies of who God is and what he's done, because he wrote them down and that message was shared. And God, through a broken sinner who was so hell-bent on persecuting Christians, brought Paul to himself And allowed him to speak the truth of the gospel so that you and I might hear it this day on the other end of the earth, 2,000 years later. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Praise God that Paul did. Verse 25. Since I'm persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. The Christian life is a life of divided focus. Two feet on earth, two eyes in heaven. We're consistently faced with the next steps that we need to take in how we live our life here and now. But we're consistently looking as well to what is to come in heaven. When Jesus comes back and there's a new heaven and a new earth. And the way that we work out how to step forward on earth is by placing our eyes in heaven seeing who the king is, seeing what we live for. And that's exactly what Paul does here. But right now, until Jesus comes back, you have been given the life you have. You've been given the resources and the opportunities that you have. You've been given uh, the family and and the friends and the the colleagues. And so God wants you to use them for his glory and the spread of his kingdom, for the advance of the gospel and the progress of, Of joy and faith in other Christians. That's why you exist. That's why I exist. We exist to bring others joy, full joy, recognizing that the King has come and died for us. We exist to see others continue trusting in Jesus that He's he's died in our place, that He is our King, that He's coming back again. We exist to grow each other's confidence in Christ by standing firm ourselves. And how encouraging it is when you watch someone who's going through all sorts of trials and hardships and you're like man life is hard for them and they say ah yes but every step of the way it is my god's plan and i trust him and i will serve him because he has died for me and i will live for him no matter what and i will bring him glory and joy have you seen how great jesus is now that makes god look good doesn't it so what are we to do with the life that we have with the time, the energy, the resources, the money. Paul says so helpfully, verse 27, just one thing, just one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. All these stories that we celebrate today and all the stories we didn't get a chance to celebrate they aren't stories of how great people are, but how great our God is. Because He's enabled people to live for Him by His Spirit through the prayers of other brothers and sisters. He's enabled people to trust Jesus to the end. Every one of those stories is about how great God is as He works in us and through us. What a privilege it then is to live our lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our future. That is where the whole universe is going, toward that reality when Jesus comes back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So what a joy it is to celebrate together, no matter what is going on in the world around us, no matter how hard life is, the victory is won. Jesus is coming back. We have this great opportunity now to use our lives for His glory. Our future is secure. And so we can stand boldly in the Lord's army, proclaiming the love and forgiveness that comes because of Jesus. Paul says this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is nothing this world can rob from you if you're in Jesus So live now for his glory and for a life and in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you tonight that you have not remained silent, that you've stepped into this world and made yourself known through your son. We admit that so often we get caught up with the things of this world, with the the trivialities or the things that are really important in front of us, but they suck us in and help us to kind of forget about you. Lord, we are sorry for the times that we do that. And we ask that tonight through Paul's story, through the stories that we've heard of you working in the lives of people here amongst us, that you would fix our eyes in heaven, remembering that our feet are here on earth. And that you would help us to take steps forward to see more and more people come to know you and to love you. Challenge us by your Spirit tonight, Lord. Either to put Jesus as our King or to live for Jesus as our King. And empower us to go away from your Word changed, encouraged, built up, emboldened with confidence that comes from the Gospel. For Jesus' sake. Amen.